Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Podcast, NBA basketball. It's the greatest sport in the world and the best players on the planet. And not once, Steve, have I awakened and said to myself, do I really want to do this? It has not <laughs> happened. And I, I, I still have the same enthusiasm I had as somebody starting off in this business decades ago. And I'm very, very blessed to still have that in my DNA because I see a lot of people mailing it in and I can't stand it. And whether it's in broadcasting or whether it's in every different walk of life, I have never, ever, ever mailed it in uh, and won't mail it in. And the first time I start taking shortcuts will be the last because I'm going to walk out the door and that's it. Uh, but my work ethic is very strong because of my parents. Chuck, I don't think anybody who listens to Bulls basketball or listens to you on the, even this kind of interview thinks that the of all the many P's that you cite as part of your mantra and, and part of what keeps you going, passion and purpose are right there in, in every word, in every sound, in every broadcast. And I think every Bulls fan appreciates that. I do. I just think it's a tremendous example that you set because you – you, you know what a cool job you have, and you were there giving it everything you have, and it sounds like it. It sounds like fun. You make people want to do your job, and I know that there are people. You said guys like Joe Tate and Ernie Hardwell helped you along the way, and more than just an example of that you set for a lot of people, for a lot of kids who said, I want to be that. I want to do that. You did help people along the way. It seemed important to you that mentor-mentee relationship. Um, I've always gotten that feeling because knowing the people who came from what might be called the Swirsky tree, is that by design, did that happen? Is that your personality? Where does all that come from? Wow, that's a great question, Steve. Well, I think it's a little of both. Um, you know, growing up as a kid in the non-social media world um, mm -hmm. where you can just, you know, hit a send button and it's there, you know, within moments, uh, via email or a tweet or a text. Um, that's not the culture I grew up in. Uh, that was far, far away in that, in that uh, venue. And so um, I would write handwritten letters to broadcasters in Seattle, for example, hoping that I would get a return letter. And unfortunately, there were a lot of broadcasters who didn't. And I promised myself, uh, because I, I stayed with a family in Baltimore, during the summers, he was the TV sports anchor for WBAL in Baltimore, Steve. His name was Vince Bagley. And he was the first 
broadcaster who's a friend of the family and they basically adopted me every summer i they had five children <laughs> i was their sixth and i would go to the station every day with vince where he would anchor the six and 11 sports in baltimore i would go and tag along with him to the old memorial stadium he was very close with brooks robinson uh, I was there the day that Hank Bauer got fired and they hired a coach by the name of Earl Weaver. And I stood next to Earl Weaver at his press conference in Baltimore the day he was hired during the All-Star break in July of 1968. We would go to Westminster College and watch the Baltimore Colts in training camp. And Johnny Unitas would walk over to Vince like you know they were best friends, which they were. And Vince would introduce me to Johnny Unitas and Lenny Moore and Gino Marchetti and Art Donovan. And it was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I'm a kid at the time and I'm meeting all these people. <laughs> I mean, Brooks Robinson is walking in Vince Bagley's front door because they're late for a tea time. And I'm thinking, oh my God. I mean, you know, for Brooks Robinson was like, you know, the, the man. And so. Uh, all these things that I promised myself, if I ever got in a position to help young people and mentor people, I would. And so it started the moment I became a professional broadcaster to help young people, minorities, high school kids, college kids, women, because I think it's important that we plant the seed. This just isn't calling a basketball game in Boston or tomorrow in Toronto. This this um, encapsulates everything as far as what this job means to me. And we need to roll up our sleeves, be a better person today than we were yesterday, help people along the way to encourage them, to inspire them, to engage in them, so that in turn, one day, they will do the same for others. And that's why this whole landscape and foundation of me becoming a sportscaster enveloped so much more than just the game itself. And hopefully somewhere along the way, I've done that. Well, I think it's clear in a lot of the, a lot of your progeny out there and in this city and other places, my guest is Chuck Swirsky. He wrote a memoir titled always a pleasure. It's easy to get. It's simple and it's local. Go to Eckhart's press, E C K H A R T Z press or Chuck Swirsky, the book, book book.com. Either way, bang, you'll get it right there. Why did you write this, Chuck? So over the last maybe few years, I was approached by some publishers saying, listen, we'd like to have you do a book. And I really wasn't ready. And so I started really thinking about it a year ago because I was coming up on my 25th season in the NBA Something, you know, when you start off, you don't think of those things, Steve. You, you think like your career. I mean, when you start off in this business, you have no idea where the journey is going to take you. At least I didn't. And when I got the Raptor job, I'm thinking, OK, you know, I, I signed a, a two year deal with an option. So three years and I hope to make it three years and then three years became five years, five years became seven, seven turned into ten. And so all of a sudden, here I am speaking to you, Steve in a hotel room in Toronto in my 25th season and about to call my 2000th NBA game in January. How did it get here? So I thought, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to put this together. 
And the reason is, and I've told, I think I've told you this before. It's a great line my mom gave me. She said, life is not a straight line. Mm-hmm. And because there are going to be some peaks, there are going to be some valleys. And this, this business, we, it can be glamorized. It has so much joy and celebration and excitement and vitality, but it also has darkness. It also has envy, jealousy, major sins that can destroy a human being if we allow that to seep into our soul. And some of it is human nature. Some of it is just the very uh, knack of, of what world and microscope that we're under on a daily basis in the media. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to write a book. I want this to be a book where I'm transparent, where I'm positive, where people can see, okay, you know what? He didn't wake up one morning and just become the broadcaster for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, he had to pay his dues through internships, through setbacks, through rejection, because all these things won't stop in your first job. You're going to get rejected even at this level. You're going to you know, get a pat on the back on Monday and be told, to use your words, that you suck on Tuesday, you know? <laughs> and, and so you, you have to deal with it. And it's hard. And it was really hard on me early in my career because, believe it or not, Steve, inside my soul, I'm really, really sensitive. And I take things to heart. And no one likes to be criticized. No one likes to read in the paper about your work because it's there in black and white, but you have to come to accept it. And there are things like I, I in fact, I'll, I'll share this quick story. I got a tweet about three or four days ago. And he says, Chuck, is it possible you could do play by play and mention Nicola's last name instead of just saying Vooch? It's Vucevic. And you know what? I, I read that about five times and they said, you know what? This, this person is right. I need to, to say Vucevic more than Vooch. This is his last name. There are times when I'll say Vooch, but for the most part, this is his last name. And so I really took that and embraced it for constructive criticism because I needed that. Um, you know, when, when I, when I talk to Mitch Rosen of 670, the score, the one of the first things I always ask him, when you listen, do I mention the score in time enough? Because I don't think you can do that enough in a radio broadcast score mm-hmm. time, who has the ball, where is the ball on the floor? And then just the very basics, the essential Steve of calling a game. So I put all this in the book. Well, I recommend it. I want to want to talk about some of the highlights. You had contributors in a book, and Chuck's greatest hits. And we, you, you had a quite an affiliation with the Cubs and the Bears, and they are still news. I want to get your thoughts on the current day Bears, on the current day Cubs, and when we come back from a break, some of your greatest hits. You ready for that, Chuck? Before we close absolutely, this let's do it. Excellent, Chuck Swirsky. He is the legend. His memoir is called Always a Pleasure. Go to chuckswirskythebook.com and bang, you can buy it right then and there. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for joining us. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. 
It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. And here comes stripped by Javante. Picks it up on the runway to the cup and a two-handed slam dunk. Let's get Javante Green a little dunking with some cream on the top. Give him an espresso. Give him a latte. Give him the whole coffee mug. He went all the way up. That's the legend, Chuck Swirsky. He's doing, I don't think Chuck needs any espresso. You don't, you? I, I know you're dancing after the victories, Chuck. Yeah. He, are you, how, you're not, you're not doing eight shots hey, of espresso. Steve. That's just Chuck, right? Yeah, you know what, Steve? I've never had coffee in my life. I, oh. I've, and, and I, when I go to Dunkin', I order uh, chamomile tea. And I love Dunkin'. They're great sponsors, obviously. Shameless plug there, but true. But I have never yeah. had coffee in my life. Well, you're the poster child for coffee, Chuck. You got all kinds of energy <laughs> that I wish I had. Chuck, Chuck Swirsky joins me on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. His, he has a book out, a memoir called Always a Pleasure. Go to Eckhart'sPress.com and, or ChuckSwirskyTheBook.com. And you could purchase it. So the, the WGN association for you, let's do it this way. It was such a powerhouse. Cubs and Bears. Bears and Cubs, number one, number two, the two biggest things in the city at the time. You're there. What do you think of the Bears now? And when I say Chicago Bears, what's the snapshot that flashes in your mind? 1985. I mean, when you say, like, snapshot, it's the 85 Bears without question. I know we're far, far removed, generations removed from that era of Bears football. And people are probably trying to, you know, extend, uh, you know, a sense of gratitude and and thankfulness that we experienced that peace uh, period of time. But the truth of the matter is that the 85 Bears had everything on the field, off the field. They captured the imagination of the city, of the country, of the globe. And, and seriously, I mean, they played an exhibition game the following year in London against Dallas, and they owned the city of London. They couldn't get enough of the fridge. And that, that period of time, that window, where they actually should have won more than one Super Bowl or appeared in one Super Bowl, but they had you know, issues at quarterback with trying to keep people healthy and, you know, it was just a magnificent period of time. The current Bears, I'm just speaking, Steve, as a fan, because right. I, I haven't been to a Bears game. I, I'm just like Joe Bag of Donuts watching the game on TV and listening to <laughs> the great Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer and Mark. But I, I, I love this new administration. I think this GM gets it, and he's doing everything he can to tear this thing down to have a boatload of cap room, to make wise draft choices. And I think some great days are ahead. I love Justin Fields. And if you put him in a position where he has really good people around him, this kid has an unbelievable upside. I have watched, you know, decades of football. This kid has the it factor, trust me. The 80s also were a time where WGN had all sorts of trotting out every kind of Cubs you could imagine. And it was it yeah. was it, it, it was all sorts of stuff going on. And I 
I'm not asking you to give away. There's a story in the book you might the fans might want to read about Milo and Harry, but but the Cubs today, and when I talk about the Cubs and your association, what's the snapshot that flashes in your your mind on that subject? Wow. Well, there am I just one because when I came to no, Chicago, give me give me all of them. Give me all. Okay. Your well, I'm just going to say this. When I came to Chicago, it was Dave Kingman. Okay, and oh. his his relationship with the media was not good, as we all know. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, the, the Wrigley family, they were trying to sell the ball club. Tribune Company buys it. Dallas Green is the new sheriff in town. And he walks through Wrigley Field and wants to change the culture immediately, immediately. And then we had the Lee Elia blow up after a game. And one thing, and then the 84 Cubs, and I love those 84 Cubs. And then Sandberg arrives with the game that I go into detail on June 23rd of 84. And the drama was not only on the field, it was in the broadcast booth. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and that's in the book. And so you can, you know, again, a shameless plug, but if you want to buy the book, it's in detail because I was there. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the, the, the Cubs, honestly, um, you know, what, what, with the World Series, it was tremendous for millions of Cubs fans. But on the other side, you know, we had Bill Veck, and I get into my first meeting with Bill Veck and how he approached me, Steve. He approached me and said, you know, come back in a couple of weeks. And his door was always open. He was always in the press room called the Bard's Room, at Wrigley mm-hmm. Field, and then in the um, in the um, it was the Bard's room. I'm sorry, was at Comiskey Park. Comiskey. And, yeah, and in the and the Pink Poodle uh, or whatever they called it. What was it in the um, at Wrigley Field? It was you know they had some, Every, the streets. They just did it in the streets. Everybody's drinking. Yeah, the whatever they called the streets. It. But all I know is that like Bill Vack was unbelievable, and he said, "I want you to come back in in a couple of weeks and tell me what you think." So it was like, you know, like it was crazy. I mean, the baseball during those days, it was like uh, one story after another, whether or not the White Sox were even going to be in Chicago, because I would, I, you know what, for the, I thought Bill Veck was going to sell the club to Marvin Davis uh, and move the club to Colorado. I really did. Well, there was that talk. Marvin Davis was in there just the same way Mark Cuban was. There are all kinds of people who had, Made their money elsewhere. Marvin Davis. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollars per order. Additional terms apply. Own well, I forgot the movie studio, but he was he was all part of that. He was he was bigger than life, and it didn't yep. happen. And and Jerry Reinsdorf and Eddie Einhorn were the were the lead. They they came in and they got it and they bought it. And your relationship now, you 
You work for one of the guys who kept the White yes, Sox. Yes, I do. Bought the White Sox, kept it here, started the Bulls or bought into the Bulls, started the same program based on advice from George Steinbrenner. Correct. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, listen, I have no apologies whatsoever. I am a huge Jerry Reinsdorf man. I love the man, and his son Michael has done an amazing job continuing uh, Jerry's legacy with the Bulls. Um, not not only you know putting this front office together, but I'm talking about you know off the court, Steve, with Chicago Bulls charities, and some of the proceeds of this book are going to Chicago Bulls charities because. The Reinsdorf family, you know, let let me tell you what they're all about. Number one, they're all about the city and community and schools and underprivileged children, children in need, families. And I see this every day with the community relations department of the Bulls. And I can probably say the same thing for the White Sox, that they truly care, whether it's charter schools whether it's supplying computers and, and school supplies, whether it's going out in the community for uh, special needs children, I'm there, okay? I'm in the trenches there. I see it. I do it, along with many, many employees of the Bulls. And that's the legacy of the Reinsdorf family, not only what they're doing on the field, on the court, but more importantly, in the city of Chicago. So. I'm unabashed. I mean, I have no problem, you know, with the virtues of uh, speaking from the heart about Jerry and Michael. I'm glad you did, Chuck. It's a wonderful note to end on. I'm sorry we need to end. I I wish we could continue. I love chatting with you. You've had such a, a, a varied life. You've come across so many. There's a zealigness, a force compass about the places you've been. But I, I do appreciate your time. And I want people to... Wait, wait, we have a phone caller, Sean. Is that what you're telling me? We, we have do. A we have a special have... guest for you guys. Let me get him up here for you. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Cut line one. Who are you? Hello, Stephen. Hello, Chuck. It's Mitch Rosen. How are you guys? Mitch, the czar. <laughs> um, I, this has been a fascinating hour. It's very nice of uh, you, Chuck, to join us from Toronto, your second home or your third home, but. Uh, Steve, I know you've done a great job this hour explaining to the audience what Chuck has done to, you know, make Chicago sports radio truly, you know, invented the format in Chicago, was an innovator and started it. But people, you know, I want people to grasp that. The score has been around for 30 years. WMVP, I think, has been around for 20 years. GN Radio. But, you know, Chuck really started it all, you know, at AM 1000, WCFL, and how important he is to this format in Chicago. And I'm not sure people realize that. And then going to WGN, and and you gave a great background on his career, but what he outlines in his book is an incredible journey and what he's done and how many people in their lives he's affected and impacted, including mine as a young intern. I know you mentioned that, but he cares about people and he does it on an everyday, not just in person, but on social media. If you follow him on Twitter, he's inspirational, he's positive, and I think people can learn from that. And in these days in our lives, I think everybody needs to smile and relax mm-hmm. and feel good. And Chuck does that. So 
I just want to thank you for committing that hour. And uh, Chuck, thanks for being you, and don't go changing. Well, Mitch, you know how I feel about you. I love you, Mitch, and I mean that sincerely. Mitch was an intern at WGN. I want to say, Mitch, what, 88? Is that right? Uh, uh, yep, 88 to 89, yep. Yep, and, and he was a magnificent intern. You know, uh, there are many, whether it's Lou Canellis, whether it's Ryan Baker, we could go right down the list. There are so many to name. But you know what, Steve? There, there are people who have the it factor, like we talked about, maybe Justin Fields. Mitch had the it factor. All of us knew at GN that he was going to be a superstar. And to see the growth and development and his leadership skills, more importantly, his people skills, that he actually cares about people. And it's just not walking the walk. It's in the talk and the talk. It's a combination of both. And that's a rare, rare commodity. And I'm not patronizing him because we we can talk to each other and communicate and tell each other, and it's awesome. And so, Steve, I want to thank you, number one, for the hour. Uh, you could have gone in a lot of different directions on your show, but you were kind enough to invite me, and I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And so thank you. Thanks for sitting still, Chuck. I appreciate it. And your comments about – your comments about – um, and Mitch's comments about you, Mitch's loyalty is unparalleled. And there are a lot of things that may or may not be known out there in public. It's unparalleled. And I have to believe that he was in some way shaped by you. What you've done, Chuck, I think, in our, broadca our insular broadcasting world is that when you got a seat at the table, you made the table bigger. You made the table more inviting for people. There's no, no greater compliment I could offer that's at, at, as big a heart as you've had as a career. So thank you for that. Well, you know what, Steve, I, I, I my, my, I mean, that I'm, I'm getting emotional now and I very seldom do this. And I thank you. That was a wonderful compliment, but really my heart is full of gratitude and humility and thankfulness. And it's, it's that, so many people have helped me along the way and in turn I, I want to just help them and that's to me what it's all about so thank you thank you chuck all right well chuck will be on the air tomorrow he and bill wennington we hope you're dancing tomorrow chuck we hope you're dancing yeah bulls raptors toronto thank you again the book is always a pleasure it's always a pleasure talking to chuck go to eckhartspress.com or chucksworskythebook.com it is a manual for how to be a broadcaster and how to be a wonderful human being. Chuck Swirsky, Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, thanks for listening. Bears All Access is next. Tennessee, Georgia, after that, on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.